Hey, RNSers, Alex Ross. I just am recalling the time I got to interview Matt O'Brien. Matt O'Brien is super down to earth, hilarious. I mean, I can talk to him and feel like we're old friends. And I think a lot of comedians today are relatable. And that's what makes them funny. I mean, if I can't laugh like they're my good buddy, I don't think I'm going to have the same respect for them right off the bat. It's hard to earn that respect, especially as a comedian. Matt's young, exciting, animated. I see a career for him in some sort of animation world. He's very electric. I saw him at North by Northeast open for Eric Andre. And uh, Matt O'Brien kind of fell into this host position by accident and killed the night. And this is with a headliner like Eric Andre, who's just wild and crazy and you don't really know what to expect. And Matt's kind of like that, too. He's not as blue, obviously, as you'll hear on our show. We, we touch on that a bit. But he's definitely new wave. Uh, very interesting. And I'm very glad that I got to speak to him now because I see big things from Matt O'Brien. Check out his YouTube page. His vines are hilarious. Even if you don't like his YouTube because it's too long for all you people who can't, you know, watch something for two minutes. His six-second vines of these two-minute clips that he breaks down are quite amazing check matt o'brien matt o'brien comedy.com ross never sleeps this is episode number i have no idea because i stopped counting matt o'brien I mean, this is almost as good as your late night talk show on the subway. Did I even did I even nail that right? Late that? night talk show on a subway. You nailed it. That's the very same. That is a great premise. Yeah, because it's both you. illegal. Yeah, and to a certain extent, I'm not killing anybody. Are we oh, actually right. recording? And funny, we're actually recording. That's great. Good choice. Thank yeah, you. because sometimes you start a conversation pre-recording. And I thought there was somebody in the bed over there. Am I allowed to say that we're in your room? Yeah, we are <laughs> in my room. Well, like, if Mark Marin can do it in his garage, I can do it in my bedroom. You can do it in your bedroom. He's wearing a leather suit, which I didn't know existed. That's right. I'm wearing my gimp mask. Yeah. I'm opening up just the mouth flap, just for our conversation's yeah. sake. And I'm licking a giant lolly. That's what the show is all what about. What flavor lolly? I think it's one of those rainbow ones. That what you flavor see. is rainbow? Uh, it's all the flavors of the rainbow. That's Isn't right, that what right? a leprechaun I, says? I would actually say the, the, the flavor is pride, Matt. Yeah, that's true. Nowadays, you would say pride flavor. That's pride flavor. Yeah, every, everyone is well represented. Speaking of lollipops. Talk to there's me. There's some water for there for you, too. Oh, so that's fantastic. And How did you know? And a release form. And there's a plug there to plug in your phone. You have had people here before. Yeah, I've hosted before. Uh, I've actually, um, on my own volition, asked you, but only because yeah. I've seen you a bunch of times, yeah, um, and I'm a big fan, because you. you and I are doing similar things. You're What you're doing in the comedy world, I'm trying to do in the podcast broadcast world in Toronto. Cool, cool, cool. Are you from Toronto? No, I grew up on a little farm town outside of London, Ontario. Okay, so not yeah. far. Not far, but you I'm in the You came to London, you uh, came to Toronto from London a lot. Did you come to the city to see shows? I, well, I grew up there, and then I moved to Peterborough, reluctantly. After high school, and then I went to college in Oshawa, reluctantly. Wow. Then from Oshawa to Toronto. That's when I started doing comedy. So I would like drive 40 minutes in, and I'd sit in the back of rooms and not talk to anybody. And I'd watch comedians like a creep. So have you moved downtown Toronto so you can be close to the venues, or you're just like close to humanity? Close to both. Yeah, okay. all humanity, not just hanging out with animals like I, I grew up with. But yeah, yeah, to be close to shows, to be close to uh, doing auditions and, and stuff like that. So you gotta be, you gotta be in the mix here in Toronto. And uh, how long have you been in Toronto for now? I've been here like eight years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when you were 20, you moved here? Base. No, I'm 30. Thank you, though. You're welcome. Um, Those two years 22. really makes a difference. Yeah, I was 22 and I moved here from Oshawa. Thank God. And uh, yeah, never looked back. Were you a comedian in London, in Oshawa, in Peterborough, no. or is it because of those places that you have <laughs> this ability to uh, approach comedy from, you know, a, a small town kind of mindset? Yeah. 
I started it in college because I was in, in broadcast journalism, which I'm doing nothing with right now. I mean, you're doing it right now. I mean, technically, I guess you could say I should have brought my diploma with me. One of my professors was like, if you want to get more comfortable in front of the camera and, and talking to people, try something like improv or stand up. And I was like, improv's for nerds. So I'm going to do stand up. <laughs> so, well, why is it stand up you were drawn to? I watched it my whole life and I'd like written down little bitty bits throughout the years. Like, I'm like, if I ever do stand up, that would be a fun bit to do. Amazing. And this was like years and years ago, but I'm like, I'll never do it. Do you still have these notebooks? No, it was on an old computer. I've never used a hard copy notebook. I don't, I've never used a pen to write down a joke. What do you think about comedians other than workshopping that are still bringing their cell phones up to do performance? Mm, it's, I think that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read off of it. I mean, I'll glance at it. Uh, if I if I really uh, like I forget an idea, but I don't know. I think it's the new age comedian. You know what I mean? It's the new notebook. Next thing you know, we're gonna be having bionic arms and talking and only in one computer. Yeah. Will be on our phones on our wrists. Exactly. Right? Well, I'm pointing to my wrist yeah. uh, on a Just podcast. This is working. Sunken into our I'm skin. still stroking my wrist. Yeah, our face will be a touch screen. So your comedy, just like we're kind of riffing right now. I'm far from a comedian. I interview comedians. I, I like to think that I'm funny through you people. Thank you, you people. You people. <laughs> <laughs> he means comedians. But like I, I hear you and you interview Garrett Jameson, Chris Locke. Yeah. And it's not even an interview. You guys are just riffing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like when I say you people, yeah, I definitely yeah. group you three specifically. Yeah. I love that style of comedy. And I think we are also accustomed to that in conversation. But none of us are really putting you know, video to YouTube or mm. paper to pen about it. You guys seem like you guys, not necessarily scripted, but it's got this rapport yeah. that you guys just instantly get into. Yeah. And it's comedy. It's just, you guys keep riffing and yeah. you'll change subjects like a conversation, but it's bits, 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 yeah. bits, bits. That's very old school. I think that's a type of banter that was like Groucho Marx kind of made famous. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of missing in day to day. There's too much scripted stuff on television. Where do you get these great ideas for comedians to, to be interviewed to these comedy bits? Are, is it because of Chris? Is it because of Garrett? Is it because of you? Where's it coming from? It's, well, it's, we're all pals. That helps. So I right. think that rapport just comes off naturally. So we all know each other. I'm not meeting these people for the first time. And I'm obsessed with just having something that's original and feels fresh and on the spot. Like, I try to do that in my stand-up as well. And I feel like the society, especially now, is obsessed with something that's kind of improv or kind of like on the spot. They're like, oh, this is just happening tonight. So I remember I, I said improv is for nerds, but it's I do a lot of improv. Well, I was just so going to say, like, yeah, I was going to make that connection. I yeah. mean, I think what you're talking about is an improvisation. Yes, yes, yes. That's not even the word. Um, <laughs> but to get you to a bit, right? Yeah. You're, you're building up that kind of improv to get you to a storyline that you can then just build off. Of. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I find is is today's kind of quickness, the, the comedy you need to have today. I mean, it's it's energy provoked. It depends on the type of energy you're curating. I saw you perform at North by Northeast. You opened for Eric Andre. Yeah, great yeah. show. Yeah, um, you were electric from the beginning. You were really thriving off the audience. Also, you had uh, basically the beginning of your set written for you because you were introduced by a porn star. Which I forgot her name. <laughs> Lisa Ann, <laughs> who is there promoting Fleshlight. Oh, yeah. And Fleshlight, for those who do not know, I think it's Fleshlight.com. They're, they're definitely not a sponsor. I wish they were a sponsor. Fleshlight, get at yeah, us. Yeah, they might. Uh, it is a self-masturbating tool yeah, for too. an audience of a bunch of 20-something geeks and, yep. and comedy fans it could have been the right venue to promote a suit but it was a little like off-putting uh, it's a little alarming when uh, when somebody starts a comedy show with hey here's a tube you put your penis in it's like hey we know none of you guys got girlfriends <laughs> and you're looking yeah. at and here look this is a porn style in real life you've yeah. never seen me in the flesh no pun intended yeah, yeah, yeah. do you want to see a mock version of my vagina yeah matt o'brien everybody literally, yeah, it was literally her vagina that's what it molded after and like we all all the comics got fleshlights after the show come on we got so we went back and there was gift bags and it was fleshlights there was like all this stuff and uh that's the gift that keeps on giving coming coming uh, <laughs> there you go <laughs> it's the gift you come in and uh how clean is this show very okay but not okay but not <laughs> and like yeah i looked over at eric andre and he's like taking his out of his box and stuff 
And I'm like, are you going to use this? He's like, oh, fuck yeah. He's yeah, like, I'm going to fuck the shit out of this thing. Like, so you hung out with Eric Andre. Yeah. No, we, we met a couple of times and like we kind of know each other a little bit. But uh, yeah, it was fun. He's such a fucking cool guy. And I hear he's really normal. Very normal. And I think yeah. that's why he's so funny because he takes normal stuff and just makes it, not that he just takes it to the extreme, yeah. but he's smart about it. Yeah. He's like, how do I have a conversation? Oh, like, I'm I'm a guy. I'm a friend. I'm a, but here's a really extreme yeah. like, comedy version exactly. of, of and he just, and he goes there. Yeah. And then he comes back. It's the funny like part about, about that too is I saw him at Just for Laughs this year and we were kind of walking by with different groups of people and we looked at each other and we both went, flashlight! And like, but the people we were both with were all like, why are they pointing at each other and yelling flashlight? That's your nickname <laughs> yeah. now. That's, we're both you'll forever know each flashlight other. Flashlight user. Yeah. And actually fl- the, the rep for flashlight liked me so much that now I get free flashlights. <laughs> for all your promotional I, needs. Yeah, they, they, they were like, you should always have flashlights and uh, they're like, send us your address. And I'm like, okay, I gave my address and then days later I got a crate full of flashlights and toys and stuff. Well, I've been doing my research on you and I've been watching your Vine page yeah. slash Matt O'Brien. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I see you've provided some of your friends with Fleshlights. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone's getting Christmas gifts early yeah. this year from Fleshlight. My buddy Dave Dunville that helps me with the Subway talk show and uh, I haven't had like, I mean, he's kind of done it out of like, he just like for pretty much for free. Like he's done me a lot of favors. So I'm like, one day I'm going to make it up to you and then I just gave him a Fleshlight. You only problem is when you gift a flashlight yeah who are you gonna think about every time you use that flashlight? because like the that's whole point me. of giving a good gift yeah is they're gonna remember who gave it to them and that yeah. special moment between friends it doesn't help that i signed it and then i put a picture of my face on the tip so when the porn star has her own parts used in this does it yeah. also come with like a picture of her and all this stuff was yours her there's, version yeah there's a, it was the stamina training unit so it, it was a training yeah. unit and for the the olympics obviously yeah, it's like help last longer if you can last with this thing you can last long in bed and all this and uh, I admittedly used it once, and I felt very uncomfortable, mainly because my girlfriend's like, did you ask, did you use it? And I'm like, yeah, I feel weird. <laughs> did uh, you gift it afterwards? Yeah, I gave it to a friend. <laughs> I just, that one's extra special, though. Yeah, I just wrapped it in some tinfoil or something. Was it a dry run or a wet run? It was, I went for it. You went for like, it. My girlfriend was gone for a week, and I'm like, you know what? This is my time. I'm going to have some time with Can it. we talk about this? Sure. Yeah. Dive into it. Uh, literally. Like, I dove into a flashlight. Well, like, is it like a two? handed thing it's alarming to see especially when i saw the reflection of myself using it it's very alarming because it's just a tube and then the noises it makes while you're using it it's like because oh, it's a tube with and then there's like a, a like a latexy sock of a vagina in it and if that comes out it looks like the tongue of an alien oh and you clean that part you have to, obviously that's the worst because during you're like ah oh, this is okay and then the afterwards where you're like what have i done and then you have to clean it. And yeah, what's the? How much are these retail for? Do you know? I think they're like 120, 150 bucks. Who's got that kind of money to spend that doesn't need to use? Like, I mean, that's a lot of Kleenex. Yeah. is all I'm saying. Yeah, I guess if you if you market it that way, you're like, how much Kleenex are you buying in a year? <laughs> you want to just buy a flashlight? We're saving the planet one flashlight at a time. Exactly. Yeah. Back to your vine. Please, let's get off this flashlight topic. Yeah, I know. I admit watching this way too many times, but guy with aggressive nap mouth. Oh, yeah. It's your noises that you're making. Just in general, you're a very animated person. Yeah. Do you ever do uh, comedy? Uh, sorry, sorry, do you ever do cartoons? Do you ever do kind of animation? Ever attribute? I uh, allow your voice to go into any other venues? Just got, I just recorded a voice demo. So, like, because my agent was like, I was like, I want to do voice stuff. And she's like, you have to have a demo first. And so I actually got some money together and recorded a really nice voice demo. So I just recently started going out for like voice auditions. It's a definitely a, like a career path for you. Yeah. So I'm, I'd love to. I, I think that's most comedians' dreams where you just have like this voice gig on the side and then you go at night and do stand up. That's my dream. I would, if I had like a solid voice job and then stand up at night. And then maybe a fun acting role. Just the three things that you really need. Any current comedians you know that are doing that? Even on the A class? Oh, I mean, really, if you look at any of the comedians in the States, or a lot of them here, they're all doing it. That's how you sustain yourself as a comedian. Like some people get into stand-up and they're like, I'm going to do stand-up 24-7 all the time. It's like, you really can't. You need to do other things. Voice is perfect. 
because it's easy or like commercial acting which i do a lot of what kind of commercial spots are we talking about um i did a, i was the bell guy last year okay so i did like a bunch of bell commercials like pat thornton did the years before yeah yeah so i which was which was weird so i was like i've done spokesperson stuff i was on a hyundai, hyundai commercial i'm actually filming a scion commercial awesome <laughs> so, scion or skyon skyon cars do, but, they, do you like flashlight do you get a free skyon i used to think that with commercials too because i remember my buddy started getting commercials uh, years ago, and he he did like one for Tylenol. I was like, "Did you get Tylenol? Did you get free Tylenol? <laughs> did you get free T 3s Yeah, he's like, "We don't. No, we didn't." My first commercial ever was a Mike's Hard Lemonade commercial, and they were like, "Don't open the bottle. If you open the bottle, you're fired." So like, yeah, because it's illegal to show the con- con- yeah. uh, consumption of alcohol on broadcast. Yeah, you can't drink it, so we just had to hold there with it uh, with it closed and act like we were partying, just with a bunch of closed mics. with a bunch of closed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just enjoying the nice cool. Well, feeling that's how on drunk our hands. you were. Right? Yeah, was so wasted. Yeah. yeah, that commercial actually got banned because in the commercial we had to play ping pong with tiny like our arms tucked into our t shirts. And it was called T-Rex Ping Pong. But people were like, oh, thalidomide ping pong? Like, you know that thing where people got were born with, like, small extremities? Sure. And they complained, and then they got the commercial pulled. <laughs> so, like, closed mics wasn't even the, the, the surface you were scratching even, of yeah, offensiveness. We were, we were dipping down into a pill from the 70s. Are you, do you classify yourself as a, an offensive comedian? I know you like to swear. I know you like to, you know, stretch the limits, but. I wouldn't say I'm a swear aficionado or anything, but I enjoy and I swear every now and then. <laughs> I yeah. dabble in it. I never, there's so many, I feel like that's another thing that's happening co- to comedians lately where they start and they want to be the darkest mind in comedy. They want to, they're like, oh, I got the darkest comedy. It's like, if you have it, great. But if you're really trying to be dark and offensive, you you, you can smell it. If you're not Kinnison, yeah, like who if it doesn't are you? come from an organic place, and for me that doesn't come from an organic place. I and don't. I, and it's a you know you're a younger comedian. You're still working on material that's probably going to keep developing in your career. Yeah, swear words is kind of the blue comedy that you kind of lean on. It's a crutch. Yeah, I find. I, I think. I think the smarter comedians like Bill Burr are more about. Well, that's stupid. This is dumb yeah, yeah, not yeah. like this is fucking the worst or, or yeah, yeah, this yeah. word that word it's like how do i make fun of something with seeming as normal as possible exactly. so it's relatable yeah i mean swearing is something i definitely had to to fix when i started stand-up i didn't really pay attention to it but i remember one of my first tv appearances i really saw it i'm like is that what i that's what it looks like and you look if you swear a lot a lot of like the fucking and the fucks like you just sound like a hillbilly right if you swear too much and it's also a nervous thing too like nervous people will talk and they'll that'll be their their like segue into a next sentence a fucking uh, i was at the fucking market no oh, fuck like <laughs> you know yeah, yeah there's only so much you can do with those words and there's only so many places you can go yeah you get you get stuck like and your words become not as funny the, the amplification of the words become what's funny yeah it sounds and you sound not confident when you're talking about it. if you swear too much yeah i try to loop lace it in there with when i feel comfortable with it or whatever but. so you're moving into your 30th years yeah so you've been doing comedy for almost a decade let's say almost professionally only professionally probably like in the last five to be honest so you're seeing a lot of younger comedians starting to make their way onto the stage what what kind of advice are you giving these younger comedians you know swearing is one of them watch your words you know be funny don't try to amplify what is you're trying to make funny yeah i well it's it's all about finding your voice you'll hear that a million times people being like find your voice just you'll, you'll find your voice and it's true like you do it long enough, and then you're like, oh, this is who I am. Like, who I am was even last year is not who I am. That's just comes from doing it all the time, every day. Like, people, I, new comics will always ask me, like, what's the number one thing to do? I'm like, do it as much as possible in your first year. And honestly, if you don't like it in your first year, don't do it. Because there are some comedians out there that do it, and they hate it. But they're still doing it. And I'm like, you know, you don't have to do this. Do you have stories of from when you were first starting out of how you bombed and, you know, dust yourself off? Oh, a million times. But at no point in my head was I ever like, I'm going to stop doing this someday. I remember hearing some comedians I was with saying, like, they're like, oh, someday I'll grow beyond this. And I'm like, I see myself doing this my whole life. Like, I remember my first bomb was at McVeigh's at church and uh, Adelaide with that bar downtown. And I was excited for it. it was, I was like, after I bombed, like, zero laughs, I got off and I was like, wow, a bomb. My first bomb ever. Neat. What did you learn from it? I just learned to just keep rolling with it. I was like, yeah, that's going to happen. I, I came to terms with it very quickly, which 
a lot of people are like, that's really weird. Like it's still, you never get fully used to it. Like, especially when you're really excited for a new bit and it's worked before and then it doesn't work. And then you're like, what the hell? Like, like it brings you down a bit, but you can't focus on it. You just got to know that. I just keep reminding myself that stand-up comedy makes zero sense. I'm a Foo Fighters fan. Mm, me too. Dave Grawl is always being asked about his lyrics. And he's always telling people, like, I just write. You know, sometimes the music will take over. Sometimes the lyrics will take over. But really, it's about putting out these songs, playing them. And I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's it's their voice. Yeah. And yeah. in the end of the day, people are like, okay, that's a Foo Fighters song. I respect it for what it is. I'm going to like some of them better than others, but I still understand that that's their voice and I respect them for that. Yeah. And I think comedy is is a respect thing. If you don't respect the comedian that's going on there, you don't respect their material, you're not going to find them funny. Exactly. You're going to, you, you've lost them. They've lost you rather before yeah. they've even started with their first joke. That's all from finding your voice and stuff like that. Like once you learn to respect yourself, people will respect you doing it as well. So let's get back to the late night talk show on a subway. Okay. What was the initial idea for this premise? How did you think I'm going to go on the subway? I, I need to get around on the subway. Is this like a commuting thing that you're like, I don't want to read. I have an hour to kill. <laughs> Who can I get to come and go home with me one I, day? Or I was where with, are they going? Yeah, I was with my buddy, Mark DeBonis, who's a, a comedian as well. And this was years, this is maybe five or six years ago. And we were sitting on the subway and it was after a show and we we're kind of tired and loopy. And I was, we were looking at those seats, the, the two seats and then the two seats facing those other two seats. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny if somebody did a talk show? Like that looks like a talk show that setup. That does look like a talk yeah. show setup. And I was like, you, you could interview somebody in that seat and then have guests in that seat. And he was like, he was like, that's pretty good. You know, that's, uh, I like that, you know, and then, uh, nothing really came from it until I finally quit my day job. And then I had time and I was like, what about that idea? It's so easy. I'll just rent some lav mics and my buddy Dave, who I gave a flashlight to and appreciation, he'll film it. And I even called the TTC too. I was like, cause I was concerned about permits. Cause my buddy Dave's like, you could get fined, I guess, technically and all this. It is illegal. And yeah, it, to a certain extent, it's weird because I called them and it was just the hotline and the woman picks up and she's like, uh, I asked, her, I told her, I was like, I want to do this subway talk show. And she's, she didn't understand at all. She's like, I don't know what you're saying to me right now. And, <laughs> GTC hotline. Yeah. And I was like, I want to film a talk show, but just like my buddy will have a camera under a scarf. Like it'll be very low profile. And she's like, as long as it's a low profile, you're not bothering anybody. There's no tripod or lights and everything. I'm like, no, it's a camera and two mics and that's it. And she's like, I don't see any problem with it. She's like, if anybody hassles you, just explain what you're doing. And I've had TTC workers come on while we're filming and they look and they laugh. They think it's funny. They think it's stupid. They have bigger fish to fry. They got bigger. Like, what are you going to do? Hit the emergency stop? Um, Sir, there's a man hosting a show beside me. People have been offended for less. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could happen. I'm waiting. The last time we filmed, actually, last week... There was a guy clearly on mushrooms or something, and he was sitting across from us the entire time. It's a good stare, audience member. Staring at us, filming this. And he was from out of town. He was from somewhere in the States. And we finished filming the last guest, and he looks over and he goes, I have no idea what's happening right now. He's like, is this happening? Do you guys all know each other? And I'm like, yeah, this is just a stupid little talk show. He's like, but this is like Canada's talk show. <laughs> He's like, this is the Toronto Canada. I don't know. He was understand. so certain that this was Canadian broadcasting yeah. and the, the quality that he's used to seeing <laughs> from America. He's like, this must be one of the biggest yeah. shows in Toronto right he, now. He like shook all of our hands. He like took pictures what with us. What guests were you with? I was with, uh, this was with uh, Freddie Rivas. And then uh, the episode that's not out yet is Jackie Pirico, who's, an, who's a comedian as well. I've seen Freddie do his marionette stuff. That's hilarious. Uh, at the Garage Show. Oh, really? That's a great show. The Garage Show is awesome. I once saw like Pat Thornton. I mean, I was just so starstruck to yeah. see a, some amazing comedians on the same stage in a garage in some unknown property. I did that show with Scott Thompson. I'm just saying, yeah, like, look at <laughs> yeah. these names. It was crazy. It's yeah. insane. And he's like, we're out, both outside this garage looking at our notes. And he's like, ask me what jokes I'm going to do. I'm like, what jokes are you going to do? And then <laughs> I remember, yeah, we're like, we're at a garage. This is just a garage. You're with a kid. A kid in, in the, the hall. hall. Yeah. You're a kid in the hall. Yeah. A kid in the hall. You're a kid in the garage Kid soon. in the garage. Kid on the lawn. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, great venue, great show. One of the Toronto kind of underground, we'll yeah. call it, scene. Which is very in right now. You you have hosted some amazing talent. I've also seen Sarah Hennessy, someone also yeah. you've uh, hosted on. I also saw Chris Locke at the garage. Amazing. And I see tonight that you are going to my favorite concert comedy show in the city the underground social club yeah, yeah that is the the best comedy show in the city if anyone doesn't know about it yeah it's great 
uh, Wednesdays, nine o'clock, hosted by Jeff, Jeff Paul. Paul. Yeah, Jeff is amazing. Great. Another one of those great promoters in the city that's helping a lot of the great Canadian uh, Canadian comedians make a, a name for themselves in the states too. Mm. What's your favorite venue in the city to perform? The Rivoli. Why? Hundred percent. I have such a hard on for that room. I think it's just the history of it. The kids in the hall started there. You know what I mean? And like. It just has such a good vibe to it. I love the lights. I'm a huge stickler for the stage like, venue, presence. everything. Like the way the stage is set up, the way the mic is, the way the speakers are pointed. Like slight Christmas lights hanging from the ceiling, some like slow moving fans. It's dark. There's candles on the table, white cloth. Like they have tablecloths. The tables are set up great, nice and tight. It's a little bit, the ceilings aren't too high. The stage is a little bit higher. So the audience is looking up at you as a, and like it's, it, there's a nice little bar there. The sound is great. I love it. I love it. Like there's there's a lot of venues I I like in Toronto. There's a, ma- a lot of amazing venues, but it's consistently always an amazing show on Monday. And uh, I love it so much that I volunteer to help set up the room a lot. They don't give me anything. I will go. I'll work the door just out of appreciation for the show. I, I'll drag tables out from the basement, set up the room, just to make sure. I have some weird obsession with that room. And I just have such an appreciation for it where I just, I just, I always, I just want to be a part of it every, like, if I'm not on that week, I'll go by just to check up. And Lauren, uh, the guys booking it know that I'm there just to, I'm just there to look. I'm just there to make sure that everything's cool. It's a staple. Yeah. I mean, the food's half decent. They got pool tables and karaoke upstairs. That right. place has stuff going on it's all the so time. Central it's too. Queen West, Queen and Spadina. Yeah. Do you, Frequent to Chinatown after your late night sets? I don't, but I should more. Yeah, I, I used to when I started uh, as a comedian. We'd go to Yucks and then we'd go to like New Ho King or something oh, for sure, just with a bunch of comics and just drinking tea and just. Goofing I want to set up like, a couple microphones at New Ho King for like a three a.m. last call com- comedy show. Oh, that'd be amazing! Would so it many, be? <laughs> so many comics would already be there, right. drunk that's, and stupid. That's why it would be so good. Yeah, but like I promoted, I've I've talked to New Ho King and. Yeah, they're not into really. It. That, no. Oh, that one specifically. <laughs> no, wow. Yeah, <laughs> but I would like to. I just know they're they're not going to like that. I would go. I would absolutely go. Right? Would you yeah. help me host that? Maybe. Oh yeah, I'll be into it. I'll set up the tables, the <laughs> lights, the spinning fans, everything. Just mimicking the Rivoli entirely. So let's get on to some other big shows that you're doing coming up. You're doing JFL 42. Oh, I'm doing a show, I guess, at the Rivoli. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but isn't that a part of the offshoot of the, the JFL series? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did it last year. Uh, I was like one of the main players last year, but... Uh, Hold on a second. Yeah, you could be looking at last year. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Maybe. It's uh, This year is 42, September 24th to October 3rd, 2015. I'm looking at your CMAT page tour dates. Uh, am I wrong? Technically, I'm doing a like one of the shows at the Rivoli. Oh, you did something in um, April. Yeah, there JFL was like a JFL and an offshoot. They have a monthly uh, JFL 42. So let's talk about some upcoming shows you do actually have yeah, in yeah. the upcoming yeah, yeah. months. Uh, you're in in October. You're doing Yuck Yucks. Yeah. In September, you're doing Yuck Yucks. Oh, yeah. So the next couple months, you're full. So is Yuck Yucks kind of a staple for you? Like I feel like a lot of the comedians, you do Yuck Yucks, and then it's sometimes more difficult to do other venues in the city. What's your relationship? Yeah, I mean, they're technically my, my comedy agents. So they will hook me oh, really? up. They will book me for their clubs. They'll book me for little one-nighters or parties or whatever. If they'll like, People will contact Yuck Yucks. My video's up there, my profile, and they'll be like, I want to book this guy. And then, you know, they set up all the money and everything. So, which is, it's just, which is great because it leaves me without the hassle of like negotiating. Well, how many, how many comedians have agents in this city? Yeah. I mean, Yucks is the only comedy agency really in Canada, the major one. I mean, but the thing about that, I mean, the, the yin and that yang is, uh, is you can't play other clubs. Like you, I couldn't, I can't play absolute. Um, there's a bunch of anything that's not a yucks, basically for the most part, I can't, uh, I can't really be a part of, but I mean, they, they're, I'm one of the few on that roster that gets a lot of work from them. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with what, what they're giving me. So it's, uh, when did you start working with them? Probably about three years ago, majorly three or four years ago, maybe. But, uh, yeah, that was my, like I would, when I started doing comedy, my first set ever was at Yucks Amateur Night. And from there I was like, oh, this is where you have to be. This is, because it's like, where else do you start? What, what I didn't know what else to aim for in Toronto. I was like, Rivoli is, doesn't have like, a, you know, touring clubs or anything like that. And I, at the time, I don't even think Absolute was even open. And uh, I was like, oh, you just start with the Yaki Eggs. That's what you do. That's what all the greats did, right? And uh, yeah, I just started going there. And then 
eventually I showcased, oh, I had to showcase so many times for Mark Breslin and probably like nine times. And then finally it was like, oh, now we're going to put you on the Wednesdays and the Wednesdays for yucks is like the fast track. So you're on every single Wednesday. You're not getting paid or anything. You're not signed. Really? Yeah. So you're still, it's, it's beyond amateur night. So you're not on Tuesdays anymore. Now you're on Wednesdays and it's a smaller group. So it's like maybe seven of you and you're on every Wednesday. And I did that for a little bit, only a couple months. And then Breslin saw me and I kind of told him, which he, he kind of respected. I was like, he was like, what do you want? I was like, I want you to sign me right now. I want you to sign me. I want you to tour me. I think I'm a good comic and, uh, and yeah, you should. And he was like, okay, well, I will. And that was it. And he just signed me and then started touring around and now I've got, now I'm headlining, which is way fun. Where to, what are some of the cities that you enjoy headlining at? Um, the Montreal Yuck Yucks that just opened is great. It's a really small venue. It's really cozy. Uh, I did that with Hunter Collins too, which is, he's a good friend of mine. He's hilarious. He actually recorded a bilingual album while we were there, which Come was insane. On. Yeah, like, because we were co-featuring, so we were both doing headline sets. And I did my headline set, and then he did his set, half English, half French, which was insane to watch. And it was so funny. So how did you do, how does he do that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's, uh, how do you tell the same joke in two different languages where... But it wasn't grand, the same joke. Yeah. It was it was all jokes, and then all these original jokes, also in French. That wow. you'd hear half the audience laughing, and half the audience, the English speaking audience. Uh, well, most people speak both there, but I was like, I was still laughing at the French jokes. I'm like, I don't know what he's saying. Amazing. Like, I kind of get what he's saying, and, and just his like inflections change and everything. But that's a really fun club to to headline. And then like going out west is great. The Calgary Club is. One of the best comedy clubs in the in Canada, easily. Like Angie, who runs it, is the sweetest, and they treat you so well. And you have like a condo that you stay in that's kind of like this kind of thing. And like, and uh, Calgary's a great city. And, and you uh, get a steak after every you get performance. A full cow. You that's ride right. a cow back to the condo. <laughs> you ride a cows cow. everywhere. And uh, a lot of people from PEI out there, which is weird. It's, in uh, Calgary. In Calgary. There's of a lot of people places. from the East Coast. Cause well, they want some steak to their potatoes. I guess so. I don't know. Because, like, you literally say, like, you make East Coast references there. Like, you talk about Donaire and stuff like that. And people are like, yeah, we get it. We're from the East Coast. You understand. Does yeah. anybody really get the Donaire, though? Oh, I love Donaire. That's the only reason I want to do the Halifax <laughs> Yuck Yucks again. Lobster Donaire. Donaire. Oh, everything's the best. Just a weird, salty... Are you Sweet a food juice. guy? I'm a huge food guy. Yeah. My girlfriend got me into food more so. Um, like she's force feeding you? Is this force how this feeding yeah. me, Stepping on my foot like a garbage can and my mouth swings open and she dumps food in. Because uh, like growing up, like I was very like food is just a tool to live my day. I, I was one of those people that was like, oh, if I could take a pill that would just let me live for another day and had all the nutrients, I would just do that. I don't care about Some that. people eat to live and some people live to eat. Yeah. And I've completely turned into a person like she's introduced all these new flavors and new foods because she's a great cook and, and she's like an awesome food blog that she like really like. So she tries Plug to her blog. It. Yeah. It's, it's uh, Julia. Oh, I don't even know what it's called. Her name's Julia Ladquid. She's my girlfriend. If you know me, you know it's a great. <laughs> I completely forget what it's called. I think it's called Eating with Julia. Look that up. Uh, and I if laugh- that's not. I sometimes laugh silently, yeah. which it can be bad for a podcast, but I laugh so hard silently at first, and then I realized <laughs> I should start laughing audibly because it was really funny. Yeah, I learned that about podcasting, too. I learned to be very active in, in listening and reacting, too, which it's... It's a, hard. It's when a you're a comedian, yeah. you just want to talk. When yeah. you're an interviewer, you just want to... Even though you want to know the answers, you're like, no, I'm going to impress you with these questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I want to ask you, who's your favorite interviewee? Person that I've interviewed. I believe that's the definition. Yes, I guess I just had to re-explain it to you. Oh, person I've interviewed. <laughs> like, serious or Subway talk show style? Both. I loved the Chris Locke Subway talk show. He's that amazing, was so though. Much fun. That's the only episode where you I couldn't cut to me not laughing like there was there was me laughing in the episode which never happens i couldn't because it's all one take so it's like it's just i was dying the whole time and even on my podcast like chris again like he was he's just we have such a fun time and he's such an easy going just laid back guy like just always fucking just want to eat pizza and like <laughs> i think one joke you asked them something like if you could remove like an anomaly on your body or something that you didn't want on your body he's like instantly he's like the skin tag behind my ear <laughs> i was just like I knew. oh yeah like yeah. chris has been waiting for someone to ask him that question Finally, today's yeah. the day yeah so plug your podcast we'll even plug chris's podcast 
Chris's podcast is called Utopia to Me, and it's uh, yeah, it's really fun. It's he asks comedians what their utopian world would be, and it's it's really fun to do. And I've been on there. You can download my episode there. I've kind of leaned back from podcasting to be honest with you. Mine's called Rehash. And I interview a lot of people about their How Twitter. How ironic. Twitter, yeah, their Twitter accounts. And like, I've interviewed like Vine stars and YouTube people and all that shit. But I'm, I'm more focused on videos. So, I mean, you'll notice the episodes are a little late. Like, I think it was last month was last episode. That's okay. But- I mean, as a podcast producer and somebody who does my own, it's not an easy work of art it, it, it's tough to yeah. stay current the second it's done recording it's it's just it has to be edited there's a lot of stuff that you do outside of this and yeah. it's which is understandable but your youtube page is quite interesting that's youtube slash matt o'brien is that also I the same so, yeah. Yeah, i think so i, think so. <laughs> I don't know i gotta figure yeah. it out <laughs> well next time you come back we'll have your your girlfriend's po- um blog and, and your YouTube. your youtube information so you're doing you know these kind of faux video game reviews you have yeah. the late night talk show on the subway what are you using your youtube uh, what do you what are you trying to 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 basically achieve i just want to have as much content as possible but that's what i realized with my podcast is like i i really enjoy podcasting but i love making videos more than that you're so much more animated so I, I want to yeah i yeah. want to do that more and i have these great video ideas so i'm finally focusing on that more be honest with you i'd love the subway talk show to become a show i've written a, a half an hour pilot for it that we're looking to film i think it could be a show like a real show believe it or not explain to me the logistics of this are you meeting in a location are you going somewhere is there a commute does the guest ever be like yeah i gotta go from union to Downsview. why don't yeah. you join me for your show well that's i kind of tried to make it look that way at the beginning but uh behind the scenes we all meet at bathurst station and then we just go west and then we go back and forth uh, until and usually honestly the filming takes under an hour for two or three guests, under an hour. It's very quick. Like so much that Jackie and Freddie had to be at Comedy Bar at Ossington Station that shoot last week. And by the time we were finished filming, we were at Ossington and we all just all got off. Amazing. Like it was it was perfect. So it's very like it's very convenient to shoot. And like, yeah, most people can get to a subway station or like a bathroom is pretty. It's uh, a pretty central. smart idea. It's a concept in itself. But the fact that how central it is and even if. They're like, well, I'm going to be in this area. You're like, no problem. I'll be there too. The <laughs> yeah. studio can move. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a moving, it's a portable it's a, studio. It's a portable studio in a tube. Yeah. Where do you get your questions from? Because your questions are clearly comedy centric, but I mean, they're out there. Yeah. I try to, I'll like look at the news and I'll find a word and I'll write a question about that word. That makes no sense. I want it to make, I want the questions to match the environment. You're like, oh, this makes no sense for a talk show to be. Neither do the questions make any sense. Nothing makes any sense. It's not serious at all in any way. Which I think we need more of. Yeah. Especially if you're doing a lot of content, it's easy to kind of just have the same repetitiveness over and over again. You are definitely out there with your questions. I remember one specifically, would you still use napkins the same way if you knew they had feelings of like that of a human? Human emotions, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to know. Well, true. It's like, think what we do with a napkin on a regular basis. Terrible, terrible things. Imagine that that napkin was getting more and more depressed. And I attribute that, I I connected that to the science that we're learning that plant matter has emotion. So, vegetarians aren't, you know, Oh, were you finding the connection in the news story to the question? Just the idea. Just a giant corkboard with lines. (laughs) (laughs) I actually worked for the CRA. Yeah. Oh, my God. Your style of questioning is is not easy. And you know what? I'm getting, we're like 16 episodes in and I had, there was a couple questions on the last shoot. I was like, oh, I've had a similar question, believe it or not. I'm like overlapping. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, oh, this is why late night talk shows have writers. It's not just the same guy doing everything. <laughs> to work so, material off of. To work, yeah, to work material and bounce stuff. And I, I, I've even talked to Chris about, about maybe, you know, pairing up and, and helping write just because I need another voice in there. It would be fun to have another voice. And I'm actually, the more we're shooting, we're having characters. I'm having friends come in as characters on the subway to let look like annoying people on the subway. Like my buddy Ian last episode was like annoying guy eating uh, near us. He just started eating these cheese strings and I acted like we didn't know who he was. So, I mean, I'm trying to trying to change it up and keep it. I want everyone, every episode to be its own thing. Like they're not similar at all. I think the key here is it's a simple idea low budget and you're promoting toronto in more ways than one yeah that's true Toronto too. comedians 
the fact that our TTC commutes a million people a day. I think yeah. that's the subway alone, too. And it's clean and it's spacious enough to withstand a show. You could put the TTC back on the map. Yeah. Matt O'Brien. Somebody did tweet at the head of the TTC to watch the thing and then he kind of like tweeted like a smiley like he saw it so i think they're they're aware of it i mean absolutely they are now they i mean there's there, it, it's probably good promotion for them in a sense yeah you, you get a couple thousand views per video yeah it's it's by no mean gone viral or anything no but, but it's, it's a great uh, premise and youtube yeah. is a great place to start that all it takes is for your pilot to go huge and then that bank yeah of material goes crazy that's what i kind of figured and like I've met with production companies about it, and unfortunately, that's kind of the thing production companies want nowadays, which I'm now discovering. They want you to go viral first, and then they'll be like, we'll take it now. It's yeah, already there's popular. All this, there's all this stuff we can use for free, yeah. and it adds to our web content. So it's a little frustrating, but it's it's one of those things. It's like when you, when you say, what's my goal with it? It's like just to keep doing it and see what happens. And like, it sounds like you're getting ahead of the curb. Yeah. You know, if you know that this is the way that production companies are looking for new product and you're giving them a package deal and the viral look is amazing like i mean that internet cell phone video i'm sure it's shot on a a a half decent camera but still i mean there's a lack of lighting the noise is obviously overtaken by anything that's happening in a noisy subway but that's also adds a lot of value to it that you can't get in a studio it's real, man. You ever have interactions with guests that are not planned? Like, I mean, from other patrons of the TTC, other than this American? Yeah, the American Mushroom Man. There's one, I was interviewing my buddy Derek Forgey, and there's a woman beside him that just had all his grocery bags. Her name was Jackie, which we quickly discovered. And then I was asking him a question, and then Derek kind of elbowed her, and he goes, he goes, uh, sorry, sorry if we're being annoying. And she's like, I think it's funny. <laughs> and she's like, just sat there the whole time. And uh, I was like, is it cool if I put you in the credits? Like, special thanks to Jackie? She's like, that'd be so nice if you did it. And I was like, it's great. Like, no one's been upset. It's so funny. Like, there's been, like, I mean, we caught one guy picking his nose behind me, but he was just more embarrassed and he kind of, like, moved seats, but he just scuttled away. <laughs> but uh, everyone's just excited that it's happening. Like, no one, I don't know if it's Canada or, like, where we are. Every time I do it, there's an audience of people watching. There's an appreciation here because it doesn't happen as frequent as it does in, say, the States. Yeah. You'll see in any major city, camera crews everywhere. You know, as independent as your sh- your shooting may look, you guys are clearly professional comedians. Yeah, we, and we're I doing think, something. And yeah. I think people be like, oh my God, these guys are actually funny. There there's must be something going on here that only I'm privy to now. Like, yeah. you, know, you know, you're clearly on the, you were saying the Bathurst line, the, the East-West Bloor line. That's not a very populated line all the time. Yeah. So, it definitely gives you the ability to have some more freedom, to talk more, not a lot of people coming through. So the people that are frequenting at the times that you're performing, they're there for the entertainment that the TTC brings and yeah. you're giving them a special show. It's I also attribute it to there's no cell phone signal down there. What oh, else are you bored doing? As fuck. They're bored. People are bored. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, a show is happening. You don't have to do anything. Listen, if, yeah. if a production company doesn't buy this, TTC <laughs> should just hire you guys. Exactly. This is like busking. It is. It's new age busking. This is new age busking, <laughs> yeah. and you can still film it and put it on. Oh, I think Matt. Yeah, I think Yuck Yucks need to to start. Going to TTC and getting yeah. you some contract work. Some over stations here. have Wi-Fi now, and and part of me is like, are they trying to take me down? Right? Are they taking me down one Wi-Fi station at a time? Well, but you're on the Bluer line. I'm sure there's that the yeah. doesn't have too much Wi-Fi around there. No, no one's doing. No one's doing Wi-Fi in Kipling yeah. Station. No one seems to have a problem with it so far. That's great. Every time I film it, though, I almost become more comfortable if I actually had a permit, just in case. Right. I'm, I'm a huge stickler for doing things correctly. And I would hate to to be like, get a fine. I mean, my buddy get fined. I'm like, and I waste all the comics time. And then you like, like pay okay. them in fleshlights. Yeah, I'm like, please take this fleshlight. I used it once. I didn't like it, kind of. It's all yours. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 great. I'm gonna keep doing it, and we'll see. It's a great premise. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I mean, I was watching it before I even asked you to be because I I like the comedian DJ Dam uh, Demers. Demers, yeah, you, amazing. Right. You're getting some great comedians, yeah. who ride the subway every day anyway. Just like they're just like the rest of they're us. They're just like the rest yeah. of us, <laughs> especially Toronto it? comedians. Yeah, you got it. Anybody so, coming up in the pipeline? God, I don't want to say. Maybe I don't know. Scott Thompson, he he was familiar with it, and he expressed it. Well, you guys are new best friends yeah we're my best friends i actually uh messaged will sasso because he i saw he's in town filming a show for cbc 
And he also got back to me very quick and he's like, I'd love to do it. He's Come like, Next on. Time. Yeah. And like, he owes a lot back to the community that helped him become this big yeah. time star. So, so whether we do it or not, yeah. I mean, the fact that he you got watched an email. it and he messaged, I was like, that's very nice that you'd even consider. I remember when I was uh, starting out in the industry and I just had a question and on Reddit, uh, Kenny Hotz was doing like an AMA. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to send out my information and email. He responded to my email. Wow. And it's just like so nice that these... These local people who you look up to are just like, yeah, dude, I've been there. Here's my advice. Yeah, and you'll find that happens more often than not. Like, everyone's so afraid to talk to people that are, like, considered celebrities. Well, that's why I do this, because I give them this ability to be comfortable. Like, hey, look, so many, like, Pat Thornton's been here, you know, Dan and Helder have been here. You know me through these people. Come and talk for an hour. It's funny, because, yeah, comics, like, if you were, like, if you were asking these comics, you're like, hey, can we just, like, hang out and talk for a bit? They'd be like, don't message me. (laughs) But, like, if you have a recording device and you're recording it, it's like, yes, let's talk. Let's hang out. And absolutely, like it's 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 weird that that dynamic how it has to be recorded. But because of your career and because of this, you know, form of broadcast, it's content driven. Yeah. So we both need each other, but it's more so. If I didn't have you on, I wouldn't have a show, but I wouldn't also have a funny show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I need I need both. <laughs> you know, I, I can't do this by myself. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of performing, you were the winner of Sirius XM's Top Comic. Yeah. Tell me about that whole experience. How did you sign up initially being like, you know, from an independent comedian be like to the winner? Like, how's that? How did that progression? I couldn't. It was crazy because, yeah, I was still a very new comic. I think I'd been doing comedy three years, maybe. And, uh, and yeah, I just saw it. it was a brand new competition. It was only the, it was the f- for second year it was the second year and so yeah i answered it there was at the time it was like there was no live shows it was all online voting so my video got up they picked my video and i was like i'm gonna work my ass off i remember telling my girlfriend i'm like i'm gonna win this i always go into competitions i'm like i don't care whatever and i was like i'm going to win this i'm gonna try everything possible to win this and i did i i flyered I sent an email blast. I was annoying Holy, to everybody. That's not easy. Yeah, I literally went to comedy shows with flyers. And I put them on the table. I talked to people after shows, constantly talking to people, talking to people on the sidewalk, talking to everybody, and like it. And it worked. Crazy enough, it worked. I got enough votes, online votes, and I won. And then, uh, and yeah, and it was the best thing that could have happened in my career at the time. Like it was. I had no credits. I had nothing at the time. Three years in, what you, you're nothing at three years in to comedy. Now I all of a sudden I had this credit as. Canada's next top comic, uh, which looks amazing on paper. And then luckily I had material to back it up. Uh, yeah, I got flown out to Vancouver. I did like the, I got to open for Kyle Kinane at the time and uh, do the festival that happens there. And it was, uh, it was crazy. And still Sirius XM is the biggest supporter of, of me personally, as well as other, other comics, like all, all Canadian comics too. Like they'll have me in. They, they had me in for years for Sirius XM. Like, just doing spots and stuff. And like, they've just been fucking great. Do you see yourself hosting these types of events? I did one, one year I hosted the, the next top comic. And like, you're a was, great host. It was, thank you. Yeah. It was when fun. I saw you at North by Northeast, you weren't supposed to be the host, but yeah. they kind of just like, First comic is the first host, comic, yeah. right? And then everyone, and then you're like, "Oh, I'm not hosting, but I'm gonna." Yeah, yeah and then yeah. you rocked it. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, I, I like hosting. Hosting's because I think I'm a bit of a control freak too. So oh, I like it sounds to like it. Well, I mean, Rivoli. <laughs> yeah, if you think about like, it, totally. I, yeah, I host there a whole bunch, and I love. I love the. I just. I'm just obsessed with the format of a show. I love a show to be very tight. I love it to be. Uh, if the host is good and respectful, then that can really make or break a show. That doing comedy more, I've 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 learned that. I mean, it's it's a little disheartening too because the average person thinks the host isn't an actual comedian. Believe it or not, that happens all the time. I think that's time. more of an older mentality. I think that people are starting to learn slowly. Yeah, I hope so because it still happens at Yucks. Uh, like I saw a guy in San Francisco and he recognized me from Yucks in Toronto and he's like, "Oh, you're the host uh, at Yuck Yucks." I'm like, no, I'm a comedian. At least remembered who you yeah. were. I'm like, I'm a comedian too. Or like, I'll get people after like a Saturday show at Yucks or something and they'll come up to me and they're like, man, you were really funny. You should do comedy. And I'm like, I, that was, I was doing it the whole night. <laughs> Didn't you laugh? Yeah. You laughed at jokes and premises that I had. That was stand up comedy. That, but they just are blinded by the fact that you're just controlling the show or they think you're just a very charming manager, when, which is fun. Is there one joke or a couple jokes or a premise when you were doing Sirius XM's top comic. Is there a, a one joke that comes to mind that you're like, oh, this is going to win me this competition? 
Oh, God. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, it was... I mean, one of my first jokes I ever wrote, writ, wrote, writ, write, write, writing was... It was my closer for the longest time, and I don't do it anymore, obviously, but it was about... I had all these jokes about my dad, because my dad's insane and hilarious, and he's just such a goofball, and uh this one thing that he did where uh, there was a cat in heat outside our window my girlfriend was staying over at my parents place with me and it was loud and there was like middle of the night and he yelled well somebody fuck that cat (laughs) and then the joke i'm like and then i got up and left for 20 minutes and like (laughs) like she didn't know where i was and like it's good and the cat stopped picking the cat stopped yeah there was no questions asked but that was like one of my first big closers that always got a big laugh and at the time, it was such a, it was a new joke. And when you're, when you're a new comic and you have a new closer, that's such a, an amazing feeling. Cause you're like, you're like, you have that closing joke. So you're like, Oh, anything I do up until then, I'll do whatever I want. But I know I got that big punch at the end. And, uh, and yeah, I think I didn't, at the time, I was like, this isn't, this is going to win me. I'm going to be a champion because of this joke. But I knew that I had a strong closer. And when you have a really strong closer, I mean, that makes you more memorable, right? Who so. were the judges at the time? I don't even know. I know Ben Miner, I think, was one of them who's uh who's big at Sirius XM and uh all the all the people at Sirius XM. I think some of the hosts. Yeah, maybe some people from Just for Laughs also were yeah, judges. Totally. But um They're big supporters. Yeah. Sirius XM. Good keep it up. Thank you. Yeah, thank Matt O'Brien, <laughs> thanks you. Yeah. Well, we're we're just about to wrap up here. <clears throat> My closers I like to ask uh pretty random questions. Um I'm starting that now. I'm not familiar with that process. I, uh, I want to talk to you about beards. You're, you're a Toronto comedian. I'm a Toronto you beard. You sport a beard. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen in older videos when you did like Just for Laughs like years and years ago, yeah. you, you've had a fuller beard. Big, giant, stupid is, beard. Is the Toronto, so it's stupid. Is that yeah. what we're getting? That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get at. Because <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out what's the range of beard to coolness in Toronto. As a comedian, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's funny. It's funny that most ma- white male comedians have beards, right? And it's uh, at the time, some my buddy Eddie pointed this out to me that it. Uh, he, I had a big giant beard, like big Amish style beard, and I think it was a protest to my day job. I hated my day job so much, and I was doing comedy at night, and I would have to climb out of bed, do this day job, and so I just grew a big stupid fuck you beard to just who cares i was like it's like a cares? retirement beard but you're not actually yeah. retired and then i mean it got it got to the point where i i booked a commercial and they had me shave it and at first i was devastated but then i'm like oh and then this might be okay and then after i booked a couple more commercials i was like oh this is gonna make me money if i don't have a big disgusting beard and it looks better too so i yeah i got rid of it and i find most comics that have giant beards like that they realize that they're like oh the acting part of it uh helps so yeah you can still have a beard but to be just a, like a hobo joe crawling out of a dumpster look it's i don't know i like that hobo joe protest to my day yeah. job the matt o'brien story yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well matt thank you so much for coming and spending this time with us i really do appreciate it let's plug your stuff matt o'brien comedy.com yeah what's your twitter at Matt underscore O'Brien. Uh, it's the same one for Vine, too. And you can check him out at Yuck Yucks on the regs. On the regs. Totally regs, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. You're, you're one of the definitely hardworking, career-driven comedians that are... 30 in Toronto. Jeez, wow. Tough. Sorry to make this all about That's all right. how young and, and sporty your beard is now. Yeah. It's all trim and, and go, okay, let's get out there. Let's get you some more yeah. commercial work. Let's show there. the people yeah, what they want. Absolutely. Well, yeah. you can also see him Mondays at the Rivoli. Yeah. Absolutely. Where he's lugging tables <laughs> from the basement. Sometimes hosting, sometimes doing a spot, other times just Sometimes just working things. the door. Yeah, just Maybe not even a Monday. Yeah. yeah. Just, if you see him there, just say hello. He's yeah. the one with a fashionably trimmed yeah. beard now. No more Hobo Joe. Again, thank you, Matt. Ross Thanks Never Sleepers, me. sleep tight. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Never Sleeps Network.